Hey, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Faith and Friends. I am truly honored to be spending a little bit of time with Lisa Anderson today. She is the director of the Young Adults for Focus on the Family and manages the ministry Boundless with the goal to help 20 and 30-somethings to navigate adulthood, owning their faith, dating with a purpose, which we love that here at Faith and Friends, and preparing for marriage and family. So Miss Lisa, you've got a whole bunch of 20 and 30-somethings here with you today, and I'm just so honored to have you because she is also the author of The Dating Manifesto, a drama-free plan for pursuing marriage with purpose. And she hosts The Boundless Show. So truly, this woman does it all, and I'm so inspired. So Lisa, welcome. Well, Georgia, it is so great to be here. I've been looking forward to this. So, so fun to meet you and all your friends and fans. It's it's so fun. And let me tell you, this whole 20 to 30 something figuring out this new chapter is a lot. So I'm very honored to hear your wisdom and just your journey of where you've been because when you say it's truly navigating a journey, it is navigating a journey. And for a lot of us, we don't know where to start. And so I just graduated college. And one thing that I would just love to know about is where did you start? Yeah. Well, good, uh, good question. I I think I'm still trying to figure that out because when I tell people, you know, I had all these grand plans. I was the classic overachiever in school. And I thought, you know, in fact, even when I applied to colleges, one of the colleges I applied to was Yale. Mm. And uh, I was so wrapped up in success. And I was like, this is what I'm going to be. And it was interesting because the Lord really told me heading into college and I I applied and I did my interview and all that. And then God really said, Lisa, I want you to go to a Christian university. And Mm. I'd gone through the public schools in California. And so I hadn't had that Christian school experience. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just do that. And then I'll transfer at some point, you know, whatever. Well, I ended up having a great experience in college, and so that kind of set me on my way. That said, I had such a great experience in college that I didn't really think of life after. <laughs> so me too. I just thought, apparently, I just thought I was so amazing that everyone was going to fight to hire me. And so um, <laughs> I just kind of like went out, started applying for jobs, and realized you know, I I graduated with a liberal arts degree. It was in in communications with an emphasis in journalism. And then I also majored in English literature, which like, hello, what am I going to do with that? It's kind of this weird, like, I did really cool things and really lame things. Mm. I had gone away to college from California to Chicago. And then all of a sudden my friends dispersed because they all got jobs and went elsewhere. And I'm like, well, what in the world? I I was trying to preserve this community that I built in college. And and so long story short, I I really found myself floundering and trying to figure out how do I develop community post-college? How do I navigate like where God wants me to be as far as a career and and adjust my expectations there? Um, Dating and marriage wasn't even on the radar. I was just trying to get a job. And of course, I was you know, I'll just shelve that for now. And then at some point in the future, I'm going to lock eyes across the Starbucks with some amazing godly guy and it'll all work out, you know? Right. So, um, and that didn't happen. So (laughs) anyway, it was really kind of me 
uh, I got into the, the newspaper world and the magazine world. And then from there, I transitioned into public relations. And so I, I describe that journey as a lot of uh, just taking risks and walking through open doors, which I think is a great thing to do when you have, uh, you know, when you're trusting God in the process. So that's okay. But um, but also I had to be willing to to go through some failures too, and to be you know I tempted a lot. I I had all these weird jobs while I was trying to figure myself out. So really, I when I look back on it now and I talk to younger adults, I say, you know, don't be afraid to just take that next step in front of you. And in fact, it was the um, the fabulous Elizabeth Elliot who who shared that first, I think, where she talked about doing the next thing. And that's all we have available to us is what God has put right in front of us. We don't need to look at the whole world and have the whole world open to us. We need to look at the opportunities that we have. And so uh, that's kind of where I got started. And I ended up at Focus on the Family, leading our PR team for many years. And then uh, out of that, uh, no joke, Georgia, the guys who were running Boundless at the time, they were married guys with kids. And they said, Lisa, we're going to start a podcast. You are single and like to talk. Do you want to host it? And I was like, sure, let's try it. And that was 13 years ago. So I've been doing this for a while now and just sharing what God has taught me. I'm a few steps ahead of most of the folks in our audience. And so whether I'm a cautionary tale or someone who's just trusting God right where I am, that's what I want to do. That's amazing. And I'm so inspired. And let me tell you, when I was like, just starting to drive, our radio station would always have focus on the family on in the evening yeah. times on my drive homes. And I would just listen to y'all. And so it's such an honor to be here with you today and to hear your story of where the Lord has brought you in. Let me tell you, there's so much wisdom in you being just a few steps ahead. And I'm so grateful to glean from that today. And so as we talk about those next steps and knowing what's right in front of us and being where your feet are, what I kind of hear you saying is go for it. When you're young, just figure, like as you're figuring it out, be bold, even if you're afraid. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, here's the challenge for millennials and now Gen Z is like the whole world is open to us. You know, I mean, it's like it used to be, I always say this in, in terms of like dating, for example, you know, if you think those who have read the Little House in the Prairie books, you know, back there in the pioneer days and all that, you just married the person who lived the country lane down from you. Okay. That was your option. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have the whole world. But now we're on online apps and we're all like, oh, well, this guy goes to my church and he seems okay, but you know, I don't know about him. So I'm going to go on this app and talk to this guy in like Boca Raton, Florida, because surely he's my soulmate, you know, right. so all of a sudden we're like paralyzed by too many choices. And mm -hmm. I, I really believe that we've got to be faithful right where we are instead of looking out, you know, because we have so many outliers yeah. available to us to, to admire and, and be like, oh, well, they're on stage at passion or they put, you know, dropped an awesome album, or they've got, you know, this, this Instagram following. I think we have to be content to just do what God is telling us to do and what our story is. And so, you know, there's a lot to be said for, for being willing to go for it and being willing to take a risk. And there's also a lot to be said for just being faithful. Mm. And I, you know, one of the, the talks that I do when I'm out speaking at colleges and beyond 
is I give advice to my 20 something self. So if I were to do it all over again, what would some of that be? And really, Georgia, one of my top pieces of advice is to, for every young adult, and it just sounds so cliche, but to truly understand who God says he is Mm -hmm. and who he says you are. Because until we understand our identity in Christ and are resting in that for our value, for our identity, for our worth, anything that I would share or anything that any pastor is going to share or any influencer, it's all tips and tactics outside of the word of God. You know, we've got to understand, we've got to be in God's word. It's the only thing that will supernaturally transform us. It's the only thing that will mature us in the way that we need to mature. And can look confidently in front of us and kind of move ahead, whether it's in career, our finances, whether it's in dating and and prepping for marriage, all of those pieces can come into place when we are truly uh, keeping God as our first thing. Absolutely. And I really learned that in college. Like that was my season to reflect on, okay, Whatever I put in my system these four years is what's going to sustain me for the next 30 and 40 years. Because the world will tell you, oh no, get it out of your system, enjoy college, yeehaw. But for me, I wanted to really know what a personal relationship with Jesus was like. And it sounds like that's what you did with going to a Christian university and really diving in. What did that look like for you? And what, how did that prepare you for the season that, that followed? Yeah. And actually for me, Georgia, it was a little bit rocky because like I said, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd come in with this mindset of like being successful and I grew up in an amazing home. My parents, before I was born, they'd been missionaries. And then my dad was a pastor, was at a Christian college. And honestly, now I was out from under my parents' spiritual shadow. And I Mm -hmm. was like, is this for real? Is this my faith? Or is this just something I took from my parents? What am I going to do with this? And I credit the example of my college roommate who was from a small town, farm town in Iowa. And here I was, the California girl. I thought I knew so much. My roommate was up every morning in her nasty recliner in our room, which I tried to get rid of several times, let's be (laughs) honest, Um, reading God's word and praying and starting her day intentionally to seek from the Lord. And it was so simple, but it was so profound for me because it was about doing doing what was next, what was right in front of her and doing the groundwork for trusting God, for owning her position as God's child, for exploring that, for leaning into him for directions for the day. And I credit her example for really circling me back around to the faith that I grew up with and taking it as my own and beginning the journey uh, with God myself even at that point in college, it was kind of a pivot for me. And so from then, you know, stops and starts, and there's many things that I've had to really trust God with. Um, I've now lost both of my parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both of them have died. And so walking through hard seasons there and and learning to trust God with my identity, even as I remain single and never expected to be single still. So um, it's a hard road, but, you know, I, uh, I definitely can see looking back on it, how God shaped the way. Absolutely. It's so beautiful. And I love that we can celebrate and honor those people that have truly championed us on in our faith. Because when you say all that, it makes me think of my best friend that truly changed the game for me where I realized, oh, I can do this. And when you see that living example, and we have that living example in Jesus, it's like, oh, 
I can do this. I can own my faith. And as you owned your faith into your early 20s and 30s, what did that look like? Was it saying yes to certain things, saying no to other things? How was that in the workforce? Because I'm headed that way. Yeah, for sure. And it it does. I mean, again, only when you you know your identity as God's child, can you stand strong in a culture that is trying to pull us every which way? And so for me, uh, for a while in my early career, I worked in the corporate world. And I remember at one of the magazines I was at, they called me the church lady because I was a Christian. (laughs) And, you know, there was a lot of antagonism. I mean, I would go, Georgia, to writers meetings uh, on a Friday and you didn't know, they were scary times. You didn't know because our editor was kind of weird. You didn't know if you were going to get cussed out. You didn't know if you were going to get fired on the spot. I mean, they were super toxic. And so Mm -hmm. for me to realize every day when I went in there, Lisa, you are not your job. This is not defining you. This is not, you are here. You know, you are representing Jesus Christ in the workplace and in the work that you do with excellence uh, to be a representative of him. And so um, for that, you know, I mean, even like say in the realm of dating, and I say even with great, um, you know, examples before me of marriage, I was kind of clueless, Georgia. I was very like, oh, you know, I mean, here's the deal. I, you know, like I said, I, I went to school in California, public schools, and all my teachers there were like, Lisa, no one's going to take care of you. You go out, you get your education, you get your career started, you become successful in your own right. And then someday on your terms and your timetable, then you can tack on this thing called marriage if you want to, but don't make it a priority, you know? And I heard Mm -hmm. that constantly. And even though I had other great voices in my life at the time, I felt like from the church, I kind of got crickets in response because they were very assumptive of like, oh yeah, marriage will happen. It'll be great. You know, even my own mom was like, she met my dad, you know, at seminary and stalked him at a few basketball games and went to a senior banquet and they got married. And she's like, Lisa, it should be all, it was so much easier than this. And I'm like, mom, it's not easy. It's not easy anymore. So, but to stand strong and to, you know, I, I credit Georgia, my understanding and, and the protection that I had around relationships and I, I dated, I'm going to be honest, I just had some really lame dating experiences. Um, I, I say in my 20s, I was so caught up in myself. I was kind of like this princess mentality of like, oh, is any guy good enough? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, then I hit my 30s and I got desperate because <laughs> I was like, oh, I need to make up for lost time. So then I went online and I started kind of dating some losers, let's be honest. And they were all all said they were Christians, but I would just waste a lot of time spinning my wheels. And so I think um, in being intentional about this and, and realizing that I had to get mentors alongside me to help guide me along the way, I had to be in God's word. I had to look around me and say, what's working, what's not working, and be willing to pivot, you know, in light of that and say, okay, and and not not think that if I made a wrong turn or if I, um, you know, did something maybe that I, if I changed my mind, that that meant that something was wrong or that I made a mistake. You know, I think yeah. so many young adults today um, are so concerned about doing the right thing and making the right choice. And if they, 
you know, there's only one way, <laughs> there's only one way you can go. And if you don't go that way, then it means you're missing out on God's will or God's best and stuff. And there are so many things in so many areas where God has left many doors open to us. And we have to be okay with using our heads, using our common sense, using God's word and the wisdom we have there to make a choice. Um, in fact, let me give you one example. Again, yeah, back yeah. in the realm of dating, you know, people talk about this idea of the one, which I think is completely bogus. Cause here's what I think. I me think too. that we have been told in scripture and beyond. And of course it'd be fabulous if we could open our Bibles and turn to first and second dating and it would tell us exactly what we need to do. But I have looked, trust me, I have looked in there. It is not there. So we got to go by principles. Okay. Yeah. Here's the deal. Here's the guy that we need to marry. We need to find someone who loves Jesus. And I am talking about is sold out to Jesus Christ and is pursuing him personally in a vibrant relationship. So this isn't like I retweet Francis Chan or I'm from Texas or I'm an American. This is like you see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life. Okay. That is number one. Mm -hmm. That is number one. So let's preach. Okay. (laughs) So. Secondly, they have to be in a position to marry. Okay. So this means that does this person have a job? Are they mature in areas of adulthood that they need to be mature in? And it doesn't mean that they're perfect. It doesn't mean that they're totally mature, but it means that they are in a process of owning their stuff, of cleaning up baggage from their past. They are humble. They are teachable. They have people in their lives who are telling them what's what. They are taking on the responsibilities of adulthood. And you see that in a way that that shows that they're going to be a person who sacrifices for a relationship, who commits to a relationship. So all of those pieces being in place. Um, you know, they need to be a person who is generally headed in the same direction that you are. So, mm-hmm. you know, this doesn't mean like, oh my goodness, we're like Chip and Joanna Gaines and we're going to have this amazing ministry together. This means that they um, generally feel like a calling is something that they are called to, you're both called to, and or one person can join the other person's calling. Yes. So, for example, you know, I had someone write into me at Boundless and they were like, okay, well, I'm dating this guy. We want to get engaged, but here's the deal. He's starting an accounting firm here in the Midwest, but I really feel called to go to Uganda. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, if y'all are meant to be together, someone's calling has to change because Uganda and accounting in the Midwest are not on the same playing field. So, So again, we have to be willing to look at our circumstances and say, is God calling me to this relationship? Is it going to call for a switch up in plans? And so once you have those things in place, you think of those things. There are probably conservatively like 300 guys that you're going to meet in your lifetime that fit those criteria. And you just need to pick one of those. Okay. And circumstances will help you decide. Uh, personality will help you decide. Elements of compatibility will help you decide. But God will honor any of those relationships. You pick any one of those guys and you can build a life with him. You can be attracted to him. You can have a ministry with him. And it just frees us up to be able to make a choice instead of worrying about, are we doing God's will? And am I picking the one? Because once you pick that guy, then he becomes the one. And that's when you move forward, you put the blinders on, you cut out all the other guys that have been possibilities and you move forward in life and in faith and in ministry. 
Oh my word. Lisa, this is so good. Like this is everything I needed to hear. So good. Friends, I hope you're taking notes because this is so important because we've been, we've been lied to by so many voices and we just need to listen to the word of God and have a personal relationship with him so we can truly know his voice in and out of the days. Because once we know our identity, then we can go forward into the workplace. Then we can go forward into the dating rela- relationships. And I'm in a relationship right now and pursuing this. And I'm like in my head, making these check marks as you're <laughs> saying these things. And it's so beautiful because we can judge the fruit. And that is so crucial. And I think too, as you're saying this, the word that comes to mind is maturity. We have to be mature enough to be in a relationship to, as we go through this checklist of what you're saying, are we mature enough to say, Ooh, well, this doesn't, this doesn't fit. Or you try to make it fit. I think of like, I I used to babysit a lot, Miss Lisa. And you know, like those little games where you have like the triangle and then they try to fit the triangle through the triangle shape. Uh circle. It's like, don't try to take the triangle and try to get that through the rectangle shape. Like it's just yeah. not going to fit. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it comes with a little bit of maturity to go in that right direction and to know when to say yes and to know when to say no. And so that was so good. Well, and what I love to say too, Georgia, is I often tell this to young women, um, but it, it applies to guys too. So mm-hmm. um you want to look for trajectory, okay? Because again, when we're talking about all these outliers and people are like, what kind of guy should I date or what kind of girl should I date? And I say, look, is this person heading in the right direction? Do they have their head on straight and are they growing in their faith and immaturity? Because lots of women will come to me and they'll say, well, Lisa, I want to marry John Piper or I want to, you know, and they're going to pick some like- right, right. Theologian. I want to marry Tim Keller. I want to marry Francis Chan, whatever. Okay. Well, let me just tell you that John Piper wasn't John Piper when he was 23 years old. Okay. He was probably some jerk idiot who was still young, still immature, still growing, but God had his hand on him and he was open to the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he was moving in that direction so that now, bless his heart, at 70, whatever, he is John Piper, okay? And he has the wisdom and the maturity that he needs. So, so I often say, don't get unrealistic expectations in the sense of, oh my goodness, it has to be this guy who's like written books and is a theologian and is perfect and whatever. That guy doesn't exist. But at the same time, you also, no one, everyone is going to settle in a relationship, okay? Again, there's no the one, there's no one that's perfect. You're going to settle on some things, not on the non-negotiables, but you're going to settle. But no one has to sign up for a mess, okay? Mm -hmm. So ladies, you don't pick up some project that you're going to fix and some dude that you're going to have to strong arm him to get into a Bible study or a men's group or someone where you're having to initiate all the spiritual conversations or you are having to be the one who's like moving the relationship along and asking for clarity or holding boundaries physically and otherwise, you need to find someone who's willing to walk with you in that and who is um, willing to go after it, go after maturity, have other people in his life, not just glomming onto you, um, who are building into him. And then you'll see that you have someone that most likely is a keeper. That is so good. 
I'm just thinking about my dating relationship. And that was one thing that I was so shocked about because it was the first guy that when I met him, he was like, oh yeah, our men's group meets on Friday and we have this accountability. And you know, I've been meeting with them since I was 17. And I'm just like, who are you? Like, where did you come from? Because (laughs) truly like keep praying for that person. You know, our prayer life is so important. And I just kept trucking along and, and knew what my identity was in Christ. And my gosh, the Lord, his timing, he uses all things together. And you're so right. Like the non-negotiables are there. But you know what? I always said, Lisa, that I would never date a boy that wore flip-flops. And, you know, here we are. And I still love him. And it's okay. Well, God is probably using those flip-flops to grow you and to, you know, build up maybe some patience and some kindness. So that's, uh, yeah, flip-flops are your biggest concern. I think you're doing okay, Georgia. Um, I would have which to is agree. Funny. So one other, here's another thing though, because um, this is going to be a truth bomb that sometimes people think like when I talk about dating, they think this is pretty controversial. Okay, here's the deal. We know that when we start dating, most of us tend to lose our minds. Okay, we get so into a person that all of a sudden objectivity goes out the window and we're like, oh, they're so amazing and whatever. And then all of a sudden you have friends that are trying to speak into this relationship and you're like, well, don't say anything bad about this guy because you don't know him like I do. Or, you know, we start making excuses for these guys or we start getting, you know, again, like I said, we we lock eyes with them and shut out the whole world. And all of a sudden, no one can speak to us and speak truth to us. And so I say, even in my own situation, Georgia, I mean, here's an example of this. Um, I am on the Myers-Briggs. I'm an ENTP. Mm-hmm. My T is like off the charts. So I'm like a logical thinker. I have dated guys and been a super weirdo. Like, I don't even know where my personality went, but all of a sudden I was just like so enmeshed with them and so like lost my head and was so into them and stuff. So here's what I came up with. I say that anytime you start dating someone, you pick three people in your friend group, or they can be mentor types, you know, they could be peers, they could be whatever, but here's what they need to do. They need to be people who love Jesus and are discerning and are willing to speak truth. Yeah. Because those people, you tell them that they have the right to decide between the three of them. If you pick those three people and all three of them think that the guy you're dating is a loser, you break it off. No questions asked because wow. you are giving them authority in your life to make a decision that you are probably not equipped or emotionally prepared to make for yourself. And that's just the kind of accountability we need because hmm. I dated... Georgia, I dated a guy that I would probably, looking back on it, I would say it was a pretty emotionally abusive relationship. Mm. And I was making excuses for this guy. We were in church. We were in leadership at church together. So Mm. there was all kinds of reasons for me to excuse his behavior and be like, oh, well, I'm sure it's just, you know, his personality or whatever. And I had to have friends sit down with me and stage kind of an intervention and be like, Lisa, this guy's not good. This guy is not, here are some examples of what we've seen. And it was like a wake up call, like taking me out of my environment to say, oh my goodness, my friends are observing this. And they had the guts to tell this to me and risk our friendship and be in my space. And I will 
never forget that. And I'm so eternally grateful for them being willing to say the hard things to me that got me out of a relationship that most likely at this point, had it moved forward, would have ended in divorce or Mm. uh, really serious, serious trouble. Right. Right. Oh, and that takes so much maturity to say, hey, friends, I'm letting you into this because I trust you. I need your wisdom. I just think of a horse with blinders on because when we get in a relationship, sometimes mm-hmm. we can't see what's to our left and our right because we're just so focused on his cute eyeballs and the way his yep. hair's, <laughs> hair is gelled or whatever that day. Yep. You or know? he plays guitar. He plays guitar and he's amazing. Yep. Right. Oh, <laughs> see? Oh, sister, this is good stuff. I- I'm, I'm loving this. And I saw some something on Facebook the other day. I yes, I I really do like Facebook. I keep up with all the my mama's friends and like my grandparents, you know. <laughs> and someone said, "You're worrying you're worried about finding the love of your life at 15." That was me. "You're worried about finding the love of your life at 15? Get back in the kitchen. The dishes need washed." And I was like, "Whoo!" Because uh-huh. at 15, I didn't have the capacity 16 to understand all this, to have the maturity to humble myself to have these kinds of conversations. And so to just hear this from you is just so encouraging because, man, we're so focused on that one when really we need to become the one that is sanctified and know our identity in Jesus so he can use us to further his kingdom. Because honestly, Lisa, there's no more time to be messing around. Like that's out the window. Like it's time to keep marching forward and to walk in the purpose of God's plan for our life and to learn how to navigate this well. And I think that's something too, like when you're talking about earlier, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to mess up. And I remember sitting with the Lord and I was just like, God, like, I just want to be good because even in my dating relationship with Marshall, which he's so awesome and he's got such great fruit being, I can see in his life, but my stars, I'm realizing how selfish I am and how, you know, imperfect I am. And the closer I get to him and the closer I get to the Lord, the clearer I can see my sin and the clearer I can see how much I am in need of him. And so I remember sitting with the Lord and being like, God, I just want to be good. And he, he said right back, I will never forget. He was like, Georgia, I did not call you to be good. I called you to be holy and sanctified. And I was like, okay. And so that's the journey that we're on is sanctification. And, and it doesn't look pretty, like you said. It's, it's a little messy, but he picks up that mess and makes it a masterpiece. And I'm so encouraged to know that, you know, you're on this same team trying to fight this good fight too. <laughs> yeah, well, it's so true because we, you know, I, uh, being honest here, I'm a little bit of a recovering legalist, you know? Mm. I mean, obviously you can't be the daughter of missionaries and a pastor and not be, you know, right, I, thought I, right. was, I thought I was so good and all that. And what God's really been teaching me lately is this idea of, yes, the Christian life requires effort, but the effort is put into trusting. The effort mm. is not put into performing. And so if I, you know, I think of John 15 and how we're called to abide in the vine. My only job is to stay plugged into Jesus. His job is to grow me and to produce fruit. And I would love to go to a tree and take oranges and tape them on there and make it look like I'm fruitful. But that is not how trees grow. Trees grow from within. And so me staying plugged into Jesus is the effort that I have to make every day to trust him, to give him my fears about relationships, about people who are disappointing me, about the culture around me. And then out of that, he's going to grow me and he will produce the fruit. And so for me, it's realizing again and leaning into the fact that I am his child. 
I can completely trust him with my life because he is completely in charge and he is completely good. That is like the killer combination for a God that you want to put your life in his hands. <laughs> and so for me, it's like, man, you know, and now as I've gotten older, I've had a fair amount of hardship and, mm-hmm. and seen a lot of hard things. And so it's, you know, without, without Jesus, I wouldn't be here today. There's just no way I could walk the road that I've walked without Jesus uh, mm-hmm. right there in front of me at all. Oh, that's so good. And because he loves us, he gives us those boundaries and in all areas of our life. And so I was just wondering, like sister to sister, what are some boundaries you've had in relationships? Yes. Well, I think first of all, I mean, we think of boundaries always as a um, a, a bad thing. And we think of them in terms of like, oh, well, what do I have to keep out or who do I have to keep out? But really, boundaries are for us to allow us freedom. You know, there are psychological studies of kids that they put on playgrounds and the kids are playing on the playgrounds and then they take the um, fence down from around the playground Mm -hmm. and the kids stay on that playground. They don't stray beyond where that fence was because they like to know the security of where they are. And as long as they're in their space or their sandbox, they know that they're okay and those boundaries are appropriate. And I think it's the same in relationships. So, you know, we could say, you know, one of the questions I get so often is, okay, well, Lisa, draw me some lines. Give me some lines here for my relationship. How far can I go? What can I do? What shouldn't I do and stuff? And I'm like, look, first of all, here's the deal. If you're going to want to sin, if you're going to choose to sin, first of all, that sin is starting in your head. It's not Mm. starting in your hands. It's not starting when you're under a blanket with your boyfriend. You are deciding in your head that what you want is bigger and better than what God has for you, okay? So that's where you have to start. The battle has to start in your head because from your head, it's gonna go to your heart. And so I always say, you know, decide before you get into a relationship, decide in your head and your heart for you only, this is before you discuss anything with your boyfriend, what is it that's gonna honor God in this? Where Mm -hmm. am I as a person, as a child of God, as a daughter of the King, what does that look like for me? And so it's not about like, can we hold hands or at some point in our relationship, are we going to kiss? It's about what is appropriate. If if God were here in my story, because he is, um, what would this look like and what decisions would I make? Yeah. And so, you know, I've heard people describe or, or give very helpful pointers in this regard, like namely, um, you know, don't, don't do anything together or don't put yourself in a position that you would not want to be interrupted. I think that is a great personal checkpoint because again, it just allows you, because again, we're all going to get crazy when hormones are kicking in, when things are getting crazy, when we're so into someone, we're going to tell ourselves, well, it's okay because I'm probably going to marry this guy. Well, you don't know until that ring is on the finger. This guy is just a brother in Christ until you are married. Okay. So everyone, you know, we have to treat each other on that playing field. So For me, um, it was always about um, inviting other people into my relationships. So dating in um, dating in public, dating in groups, having, in fact, you could even take this online. Like I had a friend who um, met a guy in a different state and started talking to him. He actually, I'm so impressed by this guy. He had his pastor write him a letter of recommendation to her to say, this guy is who he says he is. 
He is in my church. He is accountable to men in my church. He is a member here. He is serving here. This is, he is not a poser. Um, and so to have, to be that person who's going to ask the hard questions at the get-go and not let emotions or hormones or feelings lead the way, who's going to be like, let's talk this through, let's figure this out. And so putting up those appropriate head, heart, and physical boundaries are going to allow you to look at your relationship more objectively from the get-go and really be willing to say, again, you know, this person, until I am married to this person, this is a brother in Christ. That's all they are. Now, I may have an interest in them. I may be exploring this relationship a little bit further, but as far as this plays out, this person is a brother in Christ. And another good checkpoint I always give Georgia to folks is think of how you're conducting the relationship. Does the level of commitment equal the level of communication and mm. the level of, um, uh, of where you are, you know, connection wise and uh, physicality. So for example, um, you know, you may say, okay, well, you know, well, I feel like we're really connecting here. Okay, but what you've dated for like three weeks, you're probably connecting, but where's the level of commitment? There's yeah. probably not a level of commitment there at that point. And so I often say, look to the end of your relationship. If this relationship crashes and burns, would you two be able to sit next to each other in church? Would you be able to sit next to each other in the same small group and still be able to relate to one another with honor, with respect, um, with dignity? And that's kind of how you want that relationship to play out. Cause you don't want this to be like, this thing went down like a divorce. We were sleeping together. We were way too emotionally connected and involved. Yeah. We were enmeshed with each other's families. That's a marriage. That's not dating. That's a marriage when you have that level of connection and that level of commitment. So we have to look at it on the front end and move forward from there. That is so wise. Y'all, I don't know about you, but I'm going to have all these things written down and holding in them into my heart forever because that's so good with all relationships. Like even if you're not dating a boy and you're single and you have guys that are friends, like that's your brother in Christ. Like how are you going to honor them? And it comes all down to identity and maturity. And that comes with a personal relationship with Jesus. And that is just amazing. And I'm just so, so pumped. So as you navigate these relationships, once you know your identity in Christ, what I'm hearing is you can go out into the workforce and you can handle the, the hard boss. You can handle these, these tough situations because it's not going to be perfect. We can't expect the Christian walk to just be this easy, oh, you know, I've got the armor of God on. It's not like bullets aren't going to fly towards me and words aren't going to hurt. Yes, but when those things happen, you have the armor to protect you against that because you're secure in your identity. And so you're talking about, you know, leaving college and finding that community. What did that look like outside of the dating community? Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it, it, it was hard. And again, yeah. part of that was because I moved around a lot because I was trying to figure out what am I going to do for my job? Where am I going to move in my career? So I, I always tell folks, first of all, you know, if, if you had a great college experience, whether you were at a secular university and you were in a great campus club there, campus group, or maybe you went to a Christian college or whatever you did, um, you have to realize that, that that kind of unique situation will probably never come around again. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but that was True. a very unique season in your life. Okay. Yeah. So now 
you're going to be, you're going to be out and about. You might move away from your family, you know, of origin of your, from your core community and stuff. So what are you going to take with you? So I always say, the first thing you have to do is be willing to intentionally go after a church community. Yes. And that seems so assumptive, but it is a hard thing to do. You don't just amble into some church and immediately feel at home and be like, oh my goodness, the worship here is amazing. So whatever. <laughs> I mean, maybe someone will have that experience and that's great, but that's kind of uh, the exception probably. So you have to be willing to put in the time and the effort to go to a great church investigate it, make sure it is preaching the word of God, make sure that it is above board, make sure, you know, do some, do some hard work behind the scenes and figure out what this is about and then extend yourself. So get to know people, go to that small group, you know, join something where people can get to know you on a smaller scale. Um, Beyond that though, you also want to maybe tap into uh, what is available through people that you might meet. So it might be like from a uh, person at church and stuff. And this is where you're kind of, you know, introverts are going to cringe here because it's like, okay, introverts, <laughs> this is where you may have to take someone up on that invite that they gave you because people know people who know people who know people. And so again, it's kind of that weirdo networking that is tough, but again, in the family of God, it's necessary. And it's something that we're all like, Oh, me too. I need connection too. I want to make solid friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And to that point, this is something I should have said first, before you move into that new community, pray, Ask God to show you someone that can become a true friend. Uh, One of my dearest friends does this every place that she moves. And she's like, God, point out the person to me that you want me to befriend, who's going to pour into me, who I can pour into, so that it's not just random and willy-nilly and like, oh, I'll just make some friends and we'll go hang out or whatever. But you want kind of those true friendships that really can form. And so in light of that, you know, maybe there are some meetup groups that you can be part of or a book club that you can join and just kind of seed that opportunity. And another great opportunity to meet people and build community is to serve. Mm. And so whether that's through a church, whether that's in a parachurch organization in the town that you're in, dig in, find uh, something that you're passionate about, find like-minded people in that space. And I think from there, you'll see relationships grow. This is so good. And honestly, it kind of sounds like dating. Like you're dating a church and trying to figure out, do they have the same core values as me? You know, you may have to let go of the whole, ooh, they wear flip-flops, kind of like me. You know what I mean? But those core things are there. And you have to be intentional with that because at my church, they call it... um, and like truly investing. And if you want to be a stakeholder, like you have a say and that's what they call their members. And instead of just coming to church on a Sunday, how can you get involved? Instead of just saying, this is your boyfriend, how can you invest in this relationship to see if you need to go further into a marriage relationship to becoming a member at that church? So that's just so good. Well, we always, this is really funny. Well, I mean, one of the biggest questions that we get here at Boundless is Lisa, how do I make friends? How Mm. do I keep friends? How do I go deeper with friendships? Because again, you know, Georgia, we have been, our lives have been taken over by social media and by fakeness and weirdness and putting on filters and all this kind of stuff. And we've got to fight that as Christians. We've got Mm -hmm. to go after real relationships. And I wish it was like, okay, the other night I was at a party and these two little girls, it was with, um, with friends from church. 
And two little girls, they were both about five. One of them ran up to the other one and just like taps her on the shoulder and says, will you be my friend? And the other girl looks at her and is like, yeah, I'll be your friend. <laughs> I wish it were that easy. You know, Me don't too. we all wish that we could just go up to someone and be like, let's be friends. And they're like, yeah. And then it's amazing. But you know what? Now we've got sin to deal with and we're all angsty and we've got all kinds of like um, issues ourselves and all kinds of fears and insecurities. And so we have to go after it a little bit. You know, it's a little more strategic, a little bit more difficult, but it's still worth it. And God yeah. wants us to be in real relationships. And just a caveat here that I want to say, because we've talked so much about dating. And in fact, I brought, in case I had to review my own book, I brought a copy of the dating oh, <laughs> so everyone can see it because this for me, Georgia was everything that I wish I'd been told in my twenties about dating, moving towards marriage, but also, and the latter half of this book is about this navigating singleness in the meantime, because yeah. now 50% of the U S adult population is single. And, you know, we're seeing young adults, the average marrying age is right around 30 now for, for young mm -hmm. adults and, and Christians are even mirroring some of those stats. And so what does it look like? We can't say, oh, it's okay, because what I'm going to do is I'm just going to wait till I'm married. When I'm married, then I'll grow up, then I'll start serving, then I'll get involved in a church, then I'll start being real. No way. That is what God is calling you to do right now, right where you are, because you may have a super short single season, or you may have a longer single season like me. And either way, we are called to love others, to sacrifice, to serve, to know people and to be known. We're all called to community and to relationship. And we've got to go after it regardless of our relationship status or whether we're dating. Yes, and amen to that. There's so much freedom in serving. And my goodness, when you said all this, it just makes me think of all the moments that I did serve at church, that I did hold the door, that I did have the honor of leading worship and just getting to plug in with your people and serving your season well. Those are the memories that I'm always going to look back on and know that those were the moments that the Lord was shaping my identity into who I am becoming. And it's just amazing. So I say yes and amen to all of that because that is so good. And so where can people get a copy of the Dating Manifesto? Yeah. So just anywhere books are sold. So whether they want to jump on Amazon or um, they can find it, you know, in local bookstores, wherever it's, it's available. Um, it really is. It was a joy to write. I felt like in writing the book, I spoke this book like a thousand times because mm -hmm. it was always, you know, people would ask me advice on something or like, Lisa, how did this work out for you? So I decided to put it in paper, um, but it's also super personal, Georgia, in the sense that I have a whole uh, chapter on grieving singleness, because again, mm -hmm. that's a reality too. So, you know, I, and it doesn't even matter how old you are. Like, for example, I'll go speak at a, at a college and I'll have a 21-year-old girl come up to me in tears because she's like, Lisa, I'm ready to graduate. And I thought for sure I'd be dating or engaged by now. And so it's just realizing that like, you know, it's okay. For some reason, God has you where he has you, but it's okay to recognize, you know, when I, when I exited my 20s, I had to grieve that because I was still single. And I had yep. to say to myself, I will never be married in my 20s. That is now gone to me. But looking ahead, what does God have for my thirties? And so to realize that God is with us in every season of life, he has our backs. 
He is not Georgia sitting around wringing his hands, wondering like, oh my goodness, I was able to find a husband for everyone except Lisa. She's my hardest case. She's like, I can't find anyone for her. God knows. God, If God wanted me married tomorrow, he could get me married tomorrow. I have to trust his good purposes. And so uh, for me, it's really my arm. It's a little bit, the front end of the book is a little kick in the pants for those who have just been like, oh yeah, marriage, whatever, I don't care. And then the second half of the book is my arm around your shoulder to say, let's walk this out together. Let's trust God while we're single and also be hopeful and open-handed for what he may have in the future. That's so good. And we need both. And I thank you that you were bold enough to talk about it all because that's something, honestly, we don't take enough time to sit in is that grieving singleness. So I'm excited to read that chapter. And so all you (laughs) friends listening, this is a great read that we all need to indulge in because there's so much wisdom that Miss Lisa has just been through to share with us for such a time as this. So Lisa, thank you seriously so much for just hanging out with us today. Well, this is my privilege, and I am so thrilled to see you face-to-face and to um, kind of vicariously talk to all the friends who are out there who are most likely younger than me, but that's awesome. I'm discipling a young 20-something at church right now, Mm -hmm. and it is just my privilege, like I said, to be a season or two ahead of all y'all. Uh, to be able to share the goodness of God in my own life and what He's done. Uh, He is great, and He's number one. we got to keep Him there. Yes, hallelujah. And so, where can our friends hear Boundless? Yep, absolutely. Go to boundless.org. There you'll find our articles. We have a group blog. You can find the show there, or you can find the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere that you can find podcasts. Uh, just to be a fun part of a community of young adults who are walking out their faith and doing community together and uh, partnering with friends like Georgia who are like-minded in this way. We all got to band together um, and show a waiting world who Jesus is and what he can do for them. Absolutely. Oh, y'all, this has just been amazing. I've learned so much and I'm just truly encouraged. So Lisa, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great day and we will catch you on all the Boundless episodes. Sounds great. Y'all, thank you for listening to this week's episode. It is truly a joy to spend time with you each week. I look forward to our next chat. So make sure to hit that subscribe button so you'll know when the next episode is out. But until then, let's hang out on Instagram and YouTube. Remember, there is a song in your heart no one else can sing. Your voice is important. Bye!